You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on Rachel and Gabby's upcoming season of The Bachelorette and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 283. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Got a good show for you this week. The Game of Roses podcast hosts, Chad Colchin, Lizzie Pace, are coming on. We've had them on a few times. We're going to talk about their book a little bit. We're going to talk about who they coach in this show. Granted, you're not going to get an answer there. Uh, we talk about the quote-unquote spoiler that they posted on their Instagram and a few other things going on in the franchise. So we'll get to that uh, momentarily. I know everyone is tuning in because they want to hear uh, spoilers as well. And I told you last week, I've told you all season, I don't have anything. Uh, I don't have any spoilers for this season as of right now. In terms of dates and people, I have like format stuff. Just like I told you at the beginning of the season how it was going to work with the dates. While they were in L.A., it was going to be one group date and then each girl got a one-on-one. And then once they traveled, same exact thing, group date. Each girl got a one-on-one. I'm assuming the group date is both women are, are going to be on it. But there's just been nothing that has gotten out either to me or publicly. Well, two things have gotten out publicly. Number one, what Game of Roses posted uh, last week where Rachel was on a one-on-one date in Belgium with Avon. And then there was a woman in Belgium who posted on her Twitter account that was sent to me Five guys, which looked like a group date. It was five guys that were um, just standing around in Belgium looking like about to you know, start a group date or whatever. And that's it. Those are the only two pictures that have got out of the whole season outside of what Mike Fleiss posts. But Mike Fleiss doesn't post spoilers. He posts pictures of Gabby and Rachel. It's like, great, we know what they look like. That's not a spoiler. Sorry. Uh, I think I think on the first night or whatever, night three, you know, Rose Ceremony number three, he did post a picture of the control room. And you could see that Eric had a rose on. I guess that's a mini spoiler. But outside of that, those are the only two pictures that have gotten out all season. The picture of Rachel on a one-on-one in Belgium with Avon and this group date photo on Twitter, which um, which I haven't reposted yet for you guys, but I will. And it looks like that was someone just living in Belgium because they didn't even know what it was. They were asking. They thought it was a movie that was being filmed, and they were asking people, who, who, who is this? What American movie is this? Who are these actors? So... Yeah, there just isn't anything. Um, format stuff, like I said, I beginning of the season, I told you how it was going to work with that. I knew the places they were, they were going. They were going to take the cruise. They were going to go to France and then Belgium and Amsterdam, and that's exactly what they've done. I don't know where they're going yet for overnights. Haven't heard yet. I could hear tomorrow. I might not hear until they're there, until you know somebody says something to me. But I haven't heard uh, where they're going for overnights and rose ceremony yet. But I can lay out what's going on now. But like I said, I don't have any names of who's left or who's going to be you know, on possible hometown dates, because I can't know who's on a hometown date if I don't even know who's left. But I can tell you this, hometowns start on Sunday. And so Sunday the 24th will be the first set of hometowns, and as I said at the beginning of the season, Gabby and Rachel are going to be filming hometowns on the same day. Obviously not in the same city, they're going to a different city for each girl, but hometowns are going to be filmed on the same day, they have a split crew. So the 24th on Sunday is going to be the first hometown, then the 26th, the 28th, and the 30th. So that's Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday of, you know, next week. And then they will travel to where they need to go to with, the, you know, obviously if the 30th 
is the last hometown. Then the 1st of May is going to be the hometown date rose ceremony. And then they will travel to where they're going, wherever that may be, for overnights and final rose ceremony. And the overnights are going to be on May 3rd, May 5th, and May 7th, if I'm doing my math correctly. Then the rose ceremony would be on May 8th. Then you're down to two. At that point, you meet the parents on the 10th and the 11th. And then the last dates with uh, each of their final men are on the 12th and 13th. And I know that your final rose ceremony is set for May 14th. So that's your format schedule. But as I said, I don't know any of the guys who are left as of right now. And I don't know who's gotten any dates outside of the picture of Avon, who got a one-on-one with uh, Rachel in Belgium. Um, Maybe something will come out. Maybe not. Like I said, every season is different. It's funny because last season we got pictures when they were in L.A. with Clayton, and we got none this year. And we got some pictures when they went overseas. And like I said, every season is different. And when it's overseas, it's a crapshoot. It really is. And this season has proven to be um, much of the same. We got one picture of a one-on-one date and one picture of a group date that five guys seemingly were on. So that's where we're at in terms of spoilers. Obviously, if I hear anything, I will let you know. And uh, we go from there. But... I can tell you that that's the schedule going forward. Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday of next week are your four hometown dates. Maybe some pictures will get out there. I got to believe with eight different hometowns on four days, uh, there's got to be some pictures that get out. Clayton's was the first season in God knows how long where he did four hometown dates and we didn't get any pictures of any of them. I got to believe that at least a few are going to get out out of eight hometown dates. So be on the lookout for that. And then after that, like I said, Overnights, the 3rd, the 5th, and the 7th. Rose ceremony on May 8th. Then you're down to 2. Uh, they meet the parents on the 10th and the 11th. The last dates are on the 12th and the 13th. And the final rose ceremony is on May 14th. So hopefully I can just fill in the blanks there. Since I've got your whole schedule, I just have not gotten any of the contestants. I couldn't even tell you who's left outside of, you know, obviously I know who was in Belgium. Uh, the picture of the guys that were identified in that picture. or You can tell who it is. Um, I don't have it written down in front of me, but I know Ethan was one of them. I know Zach was one of them. I know, um, I'm totally blanking because I have it written down in a different part of my notes, but, um, yeah, that's where we're at. And, uh, hopefully I'll be able to fill stuff in. But like I said, it's going to end filming May 14th and this show doesn't start till July 11th. So there's plenty of time to fill stuff in when they start releasing the promos, the promos will clearly give stuff away. So there will be spoilers and I will fill you in on everything that I know, hopefully, once uh, once I get stuff. So, um, yeah, there's that. And then uh, I wanted to say, once again, bring it up to you guys, that the Reality C Fan Appreciation Party is June 3rd in Las Vegas, Friday night at Mandalay Bay. I have about 20 spots left. I could possibly fit 25. If you're interested in coming and you're from out of town and you're flying in, Your admission into the party is just a screenshot of your flight itinerary and a screenshot of your VAX card. That's it. You don't have to pay anything. I don't charge anything. It's open beer and wine bar all night. There will be food there as well. If you are driving in, I just need a a screenshot of your VAX card and your hotel reservation. If you are a Vegas local, just promise me you're not going to flake and send me a screenshot of your VAX card. That's all I ask. Like I said, we haven't done this. We've done five uh, Reality Steve fan appreciation parties. We started in 2015, so 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Um, it was canceled in 2020, obviously, because of COVID. Last year, it was set to go a little bit later. We were going to do it in August, and then Delta came along and blew that one up. So we couldn't do it last August. 
So we're back on it. First time since 2019 we're having this party. It's a lot of fun. Just a little get-together. There's going to be a raffle. There's going to be prizes given away. There's going to be money given away. And um, just a way to say thank you to all my listeners who have um, stayed with me all these years. And uh, just it's my way to thank you and just to throw a party that anybody's invited to. It's not exclusive to anybody. Obviously, the last couple times we've set it up, it's been exclusive to people who are vaccinated. But um, other than that, uh, anybody can come. And it's not um, it's first come, first serve. And like I said, I got about 20, 25 spots left I could fill. Um, if we got a mad rush at the end of people that want to come, I could possibly get 30 more people in. But we'll see uh, how it goes. So if you definitely want in, just email me at steve at realitysteve.com. And I'll get your information and we'll get you on the list uh, for the party. June 3rd, Las Vegas, Nevada at Mandalay Bay Hotel and Casino. So before we get going, I want to talk to you guys about our sponsor. This is going out to all my college comrades here. Summer sun is just around the corner. You know what that means? Water gets warmer, skin gets darker, and the hair gets pubier? Luckily, our friends at Manscaped are here to make sure that summer bond body pop with their fourth generation performance package, which includes their signature lawnmower 4.0. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for shaved boys summer by going to manscaped.com, manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code REALITYSTEVE. As the great Will Smith and DJ Jazzy Jeff once said, it's like summer's a natural aphrodisiac. I mean, let's be real. Nobody likes a hairy guy at the beach. Time to bundle up with Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performer Boxer Briefs, and their Shed Travel Bag to hold your goodies. First off, the Performance Package 4.0 includes the Lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer was designed with the summer intentions in mind. This fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents to their advanced skin-safe technology. The lawnmower 4.0 has 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on-off switch that can engage a travel lock, and gives you the ability to turn the 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. And guys who shave, we know what this is all about. They sent this product to me. I absolutely love it. They've got you covered. Even after you cover with their signature crop mop ball wipes for any, dare I say, spontaneous decisions you might make. Want to take it up a notch? Manscaped Shears 2.0 is an all-encompassing nail kit to tackle those gross sandal nails you might acquire. So I got to tell you, it's awesome. It's waterproof. It reduces the foot odor, reduces the risk of ingrown hairs, reduces the risk of grooming accidents. Get 20% off free shipping. And free shipping with the code REALITYSTEVE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code REALITYSTEVE at manscaped.com. It's time to trim off those spring flowers this summer and give your beach balls a shine with Manscaped. So, let's get going here. You know them, you love them. It's the Game of Roses podcast host, Chad Colchin and Lizzie Pace for podcast number 283. All right, let's bring them in. Uh, you know them from their Game of Roses podcast. Uh, they also recently released a book titled How to Win the Bachelor, The Secret to Finding Love and Fame on America's Favorite Reality Show. It is Bachelor Clues, Chad Colchin, and Lizzie Pace. How are you guys doing? Hello. Hello. Doing good. Thanks Very for having well. us. How so are you? I'm, I'm doing good. Um, I wanted to 
quickly talk about the book. Um, thank you for the copy. I haven't gotten through all of it. I feel like I know a lot of it, but um, I just want to ask mm-hmm. you guys how it's going. You guys have done a lot of, well, not a lot, but you've done a few book signings, got to meet the fans. What's been the response so far to the book, Chad? I, I think so far everybody seems to like it. It's definitely, you know, it has a bunch of historical stuff in there about The Bachelor and the evolution of the game over the past 25, 26 seasons. And I think people are liking that and the strategy that we put in there. I mean, it's like a pretty painstaking account of exactly what we think you should be doing based on statistical metrics that we design in any scenario of the game, like what kind of limo exit you should be working with or what you might want to do on a night one or a one-on-one date or a two-on-one, how to survive a two-on-one, that kind of stuff. And I think season 26 was the first season that had players in it who used some of that information that I coached personally. And so I think now moving forward, you're going to see potentially how this book's going to affect the actual game. I think every season is going to have at least one or two players who have read this book and will be using stuff out of it to try and make deep runs. Okay. It's been a really a really fun process for us because we pretty much started this podcast or it started to take off at the beginning of COVID. So we really haven't gotten to meet anyone. Chad and I mostly do our podcast on Zoom. So doing the book sightings and stuff and getting to meet, you know, huge Bachelor fans has been pretty amazing. And everyone's been very sweet and supportive. No, that's great. And I think one of the things that, that Chad brought up, and I want to get right into it. And the number one question that I get asked about you guys for the last year, I mean, I'm sure you can guess what it is, is who are they coaching? And <laughs> I swear everyone asks me, and I'm like, how am I supposed to know? Yeah. I don't know. Um, I assume that you're you're never going to tell us who it is that you've personally coached, and the contestant is never going to divulge right. it either. So, Well, I, they I, might. I mean, that's the deal that I've made with all the players I've, I've coached is – I will never reveal that information because obviously it's detrimental potentially to what they want to do in game. Because once you've gone through, let's say season 26, for example, is the first season that I had players that I actively coached from helping them apply to the show and doing their videos all the way through coming up with strategies that were tailored to their personas so that they could make as deep a run as possible in season 26. So, those players are whatever happened to them in season 26. They're still in, in quotes, the game because we've got paradise. We've got potentially they could come back on season 27. You know, there are other ways to keep playing it. So it doesn't behoove them at this point anyway, to reveal that they've been coached. And my deal with them is that I'll never say that if they ever want to say it, and there's some potential, you know, benefit out of revealing that at some point in the future. That's totally up to them, and I will support them in any way they want. But I'm never going to reveal it, obviously, because it's like it wouldn't work if I did that. Well, is so. So you're saying there are new, there are multiple ones. It's not just one person in season 26 that you coached. I have coached multiple players. I can say that overall or season 26. <laughs> overall okay i'll just leave it there okay so I, I, this is some hard hitting so i guess i guess my question is while while a lot of people who know uh that watch the show that this is fun and games and and pretty much mm-hmm. silliness those people are still uh, like us we're in the minority way more people take this shit seriously, think the show is about love, they root for a love story, Mm -hmm. they basically have an aneurysm if they find out someone on the show, God forbid, is not there for the right reasons. (laughs) 
Right. So someone being coached, quote unquote, by you guys mm-hmm. or Chad. I don't. Lizzie, are you part of this coaching or no? So I, it's mostly been Chad, but I did have a player reach out to me, and I and I dabbled a little bit in it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help myself. I was like, well, see, done so much work on this, and I was like, it's such an interesting creative process to me. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> So someone being quote unquote coached by you guys seemingly is there for the fun and games of it all, the game aspect of it, which is your whole mm-hmm. thing, your whole shtick, whatever you want to call it, which goes against what this show's audience wants, the majority of the audience. So while well, it's fun for you guys, it, it's it's not necessarily what the diehard audience wants to see. So what is your take on your role in all of this? My role always, whenever anybody comes to me, and says, and it's it's always varying degrees. I've had people come to me and say, like, I have never applied to this show. Look at my Instagram. Do you think I could get on the show? All the way to the producers have been contacting me for the last couple of years. I think this is when I want to pull the trigger. Will you help me? And everything in between. But all of these players or potential players have a different goal, usually, going into the game. Some of them are like, I just want a million Instagram followers. I don't give a shit who The Bachelor is. I don't give a shit about anything else. Help me get those followers. And I'm like, all right, let's design that strategy. Some players are like, I do genuinely want to get married and have kids. And I'm like, okay, then you have to win the ring. Here's how we're going to do that. The game isn't just about followers, and it's not just about finding love. It is a mixture of both of those things, and you have to be able to play both sides of that game, or you can't win the game, especially if you want the marriage and the kids. Like, you have to beat 29 other people who are potentially coming in there to try and get Instagram followers. You know, you have to be good at that part of the game too. And that's really what I try to emphasize. No matter what a player's goal is, I'm always trying to help them achieve that goal. If that's followers, if that's the the marriage of the kids, you know, or something in between, just see how far they can get in the game and maybe go on paradise or whatever. So to me, it's like anybody who gets pissed about, well, this is against the game. It's like it's not against the game. That's what it's been since season one. So, Lizzie, is it possible to objectively talk about a certain contestant if you're literally coaching them what to do? I definitely think it's a little harder. I mean, I would say we try to be objective on our podcast in terms of saying what are good plays, who are the MVPs of the week, et cetera. But, you know, we're we're human beings we definitely have like our preferences and like you know for chad he thinks nick Vial is the greatest player i think caitlin bristow is the greatest player and we definitely sometimes see things through those lenses hmm. we're not you know well, when you're we're not able to be completely objective <laughs> when when you talk about greatest player i guess mm-hmm. i guess that's it's a, it's a very generic greatest is I guess it depends on what your definition of greatest is. So when, Chad, you say that Nick is the greatest player in the game, Mm -hmm. what does that mean to you? Because there are people out there that completely despise the guys. I think the guy is full of shit, and I have no respect for him. So I can never call him the greatest player in the game. But But that's like a personal issue. That's like saying Michael Jordan's not the greatest basketball player because he was an asshole. Like he was, but he also was the greatest basketball player. Those are both true, you know. Yeah, but I, if and I objectively thought he was a great player, I'd I'd say like, oh, he was he was great. So that, I, that's what I want yeah. to know. What is your what is your definition For of me, calling him the greatest? The reason I believe he's the greatest is because he had two back to back runs on Bachelorette, uh, winning second place in each of those seasons. Yeah. Then he had a Paradise run 
which went to the end with Jen Saviano. Then he was crowned The Bachelor. This was all in about a four-year period. If you tuned into any Bachelor product in those four years, he was in it. He has the most screen time, the most total roses, the most kisses. He obviously has a million Instagram followers, which is, especially for the time he was playing for a guy, was not easy to do. And now he's got a giant podcast. And so even his post-game career has been extremely uh, benefited by his time in game. But I just don't think we're going to see another player do a run like that where he's dominating every storyline in every season for a four-year period. I mean, Colton did it for a three-year period, right? He was close. Colton did he Colton did Bachelorette. Season of, I mean, he didn't get to Finals 2. Yeah. He got to Final 4, and then he went straight into Paradise and had a thing with Tia, then straight to The Bachelor. Like, mm-hmm. we saw him three consecutive. Fra- Andy had the two club, like Caitlin Bristow, which Nick Vile never accomplished. He had the what? <laughs> he had the what, Colton? He was in the Two Million Club. Oh yeah, yeah. I think he still is. I think he's got 2 million Instagram followers still. Yeah. But the, the Instagram followers and stuff are all like post game. I'm just talking about what he did in game in in the game. I'm not saying Colton wasn't a good player and is up there in all the stats. He's just not as high as Nick Vial is. Yeah. I think and I also argue about what the game is because I consider the post game Instagram era just as important. And that's why I think Caitlin Bristow is the greatest because she's, gotten two million instagram followers one dancing with the stars she hosted the show like she's so successful yeah i guess it's just yeah i mean she's maybe you break it down into chad's right for the um the greatest male player and and lizzie's right for the greatest (laughs) female player like chad if you chad if you were to say who's the best yeah chad if you were to say who's the best if i were to ask you who the best female player is who would you say Caitlin? I mean, it probably is Caitlin Bristow. Yeah. She, what she did is pretty remarkable. But, you know, you've also got people like, um, I don't know that this is like great play necessarily, but people who like have these historical uh, contributions to the game, like Mary Delgado is somebody a lot of people forget about, but she invented the Huju in season six. She was the first player, along with another player, um, Heather Cranford to come back into the game. She was in season four originally, made it to third place with Bob Guinea. And then she came back in season six with Heather Cranford. And that was the first time we ever saw players come back into the game. That's when she invented the Huju. And then she won the ring. So she had a third place finish in season four and then a first place finish in season six. And I, I mean, that to me is like historically very important. Courtney Robertson is another player who's just like her open gameplay speech all through season 16 was unprecedented she in all of her itms she was basically just like this is a game i'm playing it these other players suck and i'm gonna win and then she did she got it to a point where she even what we call a first audience game is the the strategy that players use against the lead against the bachelor or bachelorette her first audience game was so strong she got ben flanick to a point where she could basically just say like you need to eliminate that player and he would do it that night I don't think we've ever seen anything quite like that. But, yeah, I, I agree with, with Lizzie. You know, Caitlin Bristow is pretty hard to beat in terms of her contributions to the game and even her gameplay. She has some very strong, crazy free spirit plays, a lot of uh, voluntary nudity plays that worked very well. And then what she did as Bachelorette, having sex with Nick Vial before the Fantasy Suites, that's historic. She broke precedent in a way that we had never seen. So, Lizzie, who would, who would be your top guy? Who would be your male best player? Ooh. 
Oh. Dang, that's tough. I mean, it might be Tyler Cameron. Hmm. Because <laughs> Giant, this is hilarious. He was able to do so much in one season and, you know, date a supermodel. Not many people get to that level. Yeah. But that wasn't in the game. Though. Yeah, his like yeah, know, you're, you're trying so hard to not say Nick Vial. It is hilarious <laughs> to me. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, Tyler. Uh, yeah, Tyler seems to like all of his. You know, pop. While he was popular on Hannah Brown season, we've never seen him on this show since, and all of his post-show stuff has led to his popularity. Whether it was the um. What was the crew? What would the what they call themselves? The crew, quarantine crew, quarantine crew. Yeah, the quarantine yeah. crew yeah. is when he kind of really, you know, things kind of took off with him. And then, you know, we just saw him on the Dirty Dancing show. He dates Gigi Hadid. Like, yeah, he's really done well for himself post show. But on the show, he's just got to the final two and got eliminated, and then had his little I mean, thing at the after the final rose. Nick Vial like has his own podcast network now. I would say that's like that's pretty huge. Steve, who would you say do you think is the greatest bachelor player of all time? Well, that's the Male. thing. I don't. I, I've never looked at it that way, so it's tough. For, I'd have yeah. to literally think of well, what do I consider greatest? I mean, because yeah. for me, I would also take into most well liked, and Nick does not come into that <laughs> for me. <laughs> By the public, not just me. I, I personally don't like the guy. Right. People know that. But I'm just talking about by the public. He is not the most well-liked person. So I would say in terms of popularity, I would lean towards a Tyler Cameron because everyone seems to love him. And if this show, God forbid, ever cast him, he would never do it. He's way too above this show now. But if this show ever somehow got Tyler Cameron to be The Bachelor, women would lose their shit. <laughs> it would be, it would be I think it would, unbelievable. I think it would make the show have a lot higher ratings again like we've discussed oh, yeah. a lot who would be the get that would bring people it'd be back tyler to oh for sure it'd be tyler yeah. totally they should pay in my opinion they should pay him a million dollars and be like this is our first bachelor that we've ever paid a million dollars it's tyler cameron and really blow it out promote the living shit out of that and i think it would be huge you would see a return at least to ratings of like season 24 I don't know if you're ever going to go back to the glory days of season 17, but no. you know, I, I think you'll you would see something along the lines of pre-pandemic ratings. Well, yeah, and if you talk about, I mean, I think um, our friend Bachelor Data Suzanne uh, has done the numbers, and it's literally like the ratings have gone down literally every season since season one. Like, and that's just yeah. and and now that we're in a time where network TV is losing a lot of viewers to streaming, it's just never going to be what it was yet the show still seems to remain you know on the air and i don't, I don't think it's going anywhere yeah. anytime soon whether it goes from network tv to streaming another thing we'll talk right. about a little bit later but i do think it's not you know clayton's uh, uh hold on i got clayton's numbers right here uh, so clayton's numbers were you know lower than the previous seasons which was uh which was matt you know matt drew five million mm -hmm. for his premiere episode clayton drew 3.75 in Matt's finale he drew 5.3 Clayton drew 4.7 so Matt's season kind of flattened where they got the same audience every episode Clayton mm -hmm. had 3.75 million in his first episode but his last episode got 4.7 so he went up in terms of and that and that's kind of what they're yeah. kind of going for it's like 
yes, we know the first episode, it's like, okay, let's tune in. And then episodes two through five usually are always around the same and they're lower than the premiere because there's still too many people and not everybody knows everybody's names. And then once it starts getting down and dwindling down to eight or ten people left, Mm -hmm. people kind of tune back in again and then they tune in for the finale. And obviously Clayton had his Bafo finale and, and whatnot. But... Um, but I think with Clayton's season, like specifically, they did some huge mistakes with his season in terms of promotion. The first time, for example, we saw Clayton Eckert as Bachelor on our screens was at the after the final rows of the prior Bachelorette season. They made Clayton read derogatory tweets about himself. So they're planting in the audience's idea who's watching the tail end of that Bachelorette season that Clayton is a shitty bachelor and no one likes him. That's how they're essentially trying to market him to us, is that he's bad. You don't like this guy. So who the fuck is going to tune in for that season? They shoot themselves in the foot immediately, and then somehow they're able to salvage, I think, by generating the rose ceremony from hell. That kind of upticked a a level of interest in the audience that brought us back toward the end. I just don't – I think that the people doing promotion for the show and the people casting at this point – like Clayton Eckerd was a weird choice for casting, and then they immediately threw that choice under the bus by making it seem like it was Clayton Eckerd's fault, even though they are the ones who selected him. It it was just a, in my opinion, a mess top to bottom in how they chose to structure that season and promote it. Yeah, I mean Clayton's season in general, as a guy who wasn't a major character from the season before, you know, he finished what tenth or eleventh on Michelle's season. Um, the last hey. one, the last Bachelor that finished that far back on the previous Bachelorette season, I believe was Juan Pablo's season. We know how that turned out. So do we think this puts an end to casting guys who finished that far back, Lizzie? I think that they need to have a reason, like give us an actual reason for why he's cast and show us like his job, show us his life, show us that like he is a prize that people should compete over to win. Like, by just having him read the mean tweets and we don't know anything else about his life, it's like, why are we going to tune in for that? The audience is mostly women, so you want the women to mostly be into The Bachelor, in my opinion. And they just set him up to fail. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was a strange choice to begin with. I, you know, everyone's asking, well, why wasn't it one of Michelle's Final Four guys? And I've always said, like, because of the way Michelle's season when it was shot and when it aired and when they filmed the bachelor, it wouldn't have made, it would have, it would have eliminated any suspense from the ending of Michelle's season because Mm. you couldn't cast, obviously Nate, Nate wins. You couldn't cast Brandon because it would have gotten out that Brandon was filming in September. You know, Michelle's season didn't start airing until October. So if, if you already know that Brandon is the bachelor, well, what's the excitement when you get to Michelle's finale? So it couldn't have been Brandon, Joe had his issues. We knew it wasn't going to be him. And then that leaves a final four of, of Rodney. I don't think Rodney is um, was going to be the bachelor. Uh, and then even if he was, you know, you get to the final four and it's just like, oh, well, we know Rodney doesn't win. So we know the final three are, you know, Joe, Brandon and Nate. So I think that was the way because because we had for the second year in a row, calendar year in a row, um, a two bachelorette calendar year season where. We don't have that anymore. So now we're going to get a guy, seemingly, our next Bachelor is going to be a guy from Rachel or Gabby's season or someone who does well on Paradise that is known by the audience and they don't pull this shit of of Clayton where 
you know, <laughs> he was chosen as the bachelor before we even saw him on screen. It just, it made no sense. It, it was just like you said, it was, it was poorly done from the very beginning. And look, Clayton's is a nice guy. I think he had good intentions, but he was a hundred percent in over his head in that role. And a guy production thought they could control, which, you know, seemingly yeah. they did. I mean, I, I think that's pretty clear to a lot of people that he was a, you know, quote unquote, producer puppet seems to be the popular phrase nowadays. And, um, you know, it's interesting. I, I mean, I listened to the interviews, <clears throat> obviously Clayton can never say what truly went on and neither can Susie. And I've listened to their interviews post show and, and how it all played out in the end. Um, I don't know. My my opinion is this, and I said this the night of the finale once it aired, and then we found out that Susie and Clayton were had been together for four months. <clears throat> it just seems like oh, I'll use Chad this. Do you think it is remotely possible that Susie going into that final rose ceremony was literally told to or egged on to hey, look, you don't need to accept any sort of proposal from him. You can dump him here and we'll let you contact him after the show. Because when I found out that she contacted him literally right when she got home, I thought mm-hmm. that was something was up with that. That didn't you're not even allowed to contact the contestants uh, as a, a lead when you get home from filming. Like, I I didn't even know that was a thing. And to, to find out that Susie did it right after she got back from Iceland made mm-hmm. me think that it was almost like they coached her to, hey, give us something that we've never had in the history of the show, which is our bachelor leaving on his own. Brad Womack left on his own, but that was by his own decision. Right. We've never had a bachelor leave on his own because he got dumped at the end. And it's almost like when you're 46 yeah. seasons in, you got to do something different. And here's what's going to get everybody talking. Is that possible? You think that happened? Possible? Absolutely. I think these <laughs> producers are willing to do literally anything yeah. that will cause trauma and tears and all this kind of stuff. We saw also on Bachelor in Paradise season seven, they at least to my knowledge, made Noah Erb and Abigail Herringer break up at the prom date, and then they're immediately back together as soon as the show ends. Yeah. You know, so it's same like, with Becca okay, and Thomas. Seems like it was what's that? And Becca and Thomas, same thing. Becca and Thomas, Alana Milne and Chris Conran. <laughs> like it seems to be something that they build to. They and and strangely though, in The Bachelor in the main game, you traditionally see them building to a union, to an accepted proposal, and then the relationship deteriorates in the months after the show. But like you're saying, this is the first final rose rejection we've ever seen. <laughs> and maybe you're right. Maybe they were like, look, we need we need this to go down this way. But I also agree with what you said earlier about how Eckerd was chosen, I think, because he was a puppet. He was naive to the game and seemed to be going along with whatever they wanted. And there's this attitude that exists in the modern era where anybody chosen as the lead has to be thankful and grateful for the opportunity and just kind of overwhelmed by, oh my God, I can't believe it's me. And I think a player with an opposite attitude, one that's like, that's right, I am the bachelor and this is going to be awesome. That kind of an attitude, I think, taking charge of it a little bit more and being a little less docile where like producer involvement is concerned, I think would actually be better for the show. But I think the contemporary producers don't want that. They want someone that they can completely control because that's how they they perceive the show as being like a a puppet show basically and they do want all of these players to be puppets and a guy that's chosen 10th on you know finishes 10th on michelle's season is so grateful to even get that gig that he's more than willing you would think is more than willing to just go along with hey you guys gave me this gig i really appreciate it you know what do you want me to do not that he's asking what do you want me to do 
but he's more willing to accept what they told him to do because I, I you know I didn't hear your take on it at the time but Lizzie everything that went down at the rose ceremony from hell and just the things leading up to that and him telling three different women I'm in love with you and three different women uh, you know and having sex with three different or two of the three women um it just seems like that was somebody who didn't know what to say and was kind of told what to say like how like how he got himself into that position I can't imagine when you step back and look at it, he thought that that was a smart way to go about doing it versus, you know, a producer saying like, no, just, you know, the way they set up the story, it was clearly like, oh, he wasn't opening up to the women. And all of a sudden he gets to the home, the overnights and he's opening up too much. But they you, you could just see production in his ear like, hey, Clayton, you haven't opened up to Rachel or Gabby yet. You need to tell them how you feel. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to do that. And then he does it and look at how it came out. You cannot convince me that the triple love level four double consummation reveal at the <laughs> rose ceremony from hell was Clayton's idea. No. Absolutely not. Like it just it reeked of production of production manipulation and him breaking up with both of them at the same time. Also, there were so many things where I could see him just going along with it. Like oh, we're losing the light. Like, for production reasons, we need you to do all of this at the same time. And him not thinking, like, oh, but this is going to come off horribly to Bachelor Nation. I can, it just feels totally like he was bamboozled into it. And, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and that's the thing that sucks, is because until the end of time, Clayton is never going to be able to tell us the truth of what happened. Because even though you are contractually obligated to them for a year from the time your finale ends, you are basically, especially as a lead, you're in a lifetime contract with them. You're still never allowed to talk about what really went down. And so it sucks because I hear Clayton and Susie's interviews and I'm, and I'm glad that they're doing well and I'm, they're currently still in their drive to, to, to Virginia as we speak. But I, I just, we're never going to get the answers because he's never going to be able to admit what a producer told him you know, the hours leading into that rose ceremony from hell and what they said to him. He can't reveal that because he will be. He, he could have, though, I think. I think he had an opportunity to right when the show ended because it's still fresh in everybody's mind and he could have made it an active fight. He could have said, look, they fucked me over big time. They made me do this. They made me say this. They made me do this. And I'm not the only one. Everybody has been living in fear of this franchise and this contract that we sign and this network for 20 years now and that needs to change the producers have to have some accountability in all of this the bullying that's going on the toxicity and what we call the fourth audience the people who watch the show us that has to end he could have really taken a stand and i think at some point some players going to have to do that they're going to have to galvanize and maybe that even leads to like a um you know like a not a screen actors guild but like a reality actors guild you know because that doesn't exist if you're on reality tv right now you're literally just under whatever contract they made you sign. And the bachelor contract is fucking crazy. It's even has shit in it. Like you forfeit your civil rights when you come on this fucking show, that phrase is in it. And so to have someone stand up and say like, okay, this needs to now. I think it's going to take a lead who gets completely fucked over by the show like Clayton Eckerd. But I also understand the fear of it Yeah. because if you, if you take that fight, 
it very necessarily means they can sue you for a lot of fucking money. I think they would look bad if they did that. If what he's saying is like, they put me through all these terrible situations and caused so much trauma. And they're like, and on top of it, we're suing you. I don't think they would necessarily pull that trigger, but I do think his window has closed now because it's like out of the public eye, we're kind of moving into the next season of bachelor. And if he were to do it now, I don't think it would be big enough waves to, to really matter. Yeah, it is. It is a slippery slope because like you said, there is that fear of these people gave me this position, but then if I go back and, you know, while it isn't right the way they treated him and what they said to him behind the scenes, which we, even though you and I can't prove it, we are very well aware. We know what happened mm-hmm. and we, you know, we, we can make assumptions that are probably pretty true. It's that fear of what if I do speak out and what if I am the lone ranger here and come forward and absolutely just go you know, scorched earth on this franchise and tell everybody what really happened behind the scenes and what I was told mm-hmm. to say and what I was told to do. It would it would be a huge, huge story in all of reality television, but I that fear of that show would then come after him or anybody that does it, while it would be horrible PR, it still is gonna probably prevent somebody from doing it. I mean I, I would love to see it someday. I'm just skeptical it will happen. I just don't think anyone has the balls mm. or the money to want to do that. But it's like, it's not even just the balls or the money. It's like the ABC, whoever's going to sue him, if it's Warner Brothers, NZK, ABC, maybe all three of these entities, they have to start playing a little bit of next dimensional chess, which is like, okay, let's say we sue him. Let's say it's even successful. What does that then do to The Bachelor? Because everybody who watches the show now knows you're willing to pull the trigger to ruin the life of your lead. How many people are still going to want to come in your show? And what even is that show now? So I think there's so much potential detrimental fallout from doing something like that. If you are the companies, if you are Warner Brothers and ZK or ABC, I don't know that there's benefit in doing it. I think you kind of have to let it slide and just pretend it didn't happen and move on. You know, I think he could get away with it. Yeah, I think you would need to get the backup of at least one other lead to back you up. Yeah. Or just if if it if it, if it ends up being like a Tiger Woods situation where you get one woman coming forward and then 15 more come forward because we know it's happened to numerous mm-hmm. contestants. So if a lead comes mm-hmm. forward and then a contestant from 3 seasons previous says, "Yeah, you know what? I'm sick of this too. I've kept my mouth shut this whole time. Here's what happened to me." And then another contestant feels comfortable because someone else came out before then it would make sense i just i don't know because as we've talked about it you mentioned chad at the beginning of this podcast these people all want to keep going in this franchise and the second you speak out you are basically going to be blackballed from ever appearing on the show again it would hurt your Mm -hmm. potential instagram following and you know you the, you can gain Instagram following and gain followers by being on more things that this franchise produces. And the second you speak out, you're done. So that's why I think probably a lot of people haven't spoken up. They don't want to be on the bad side of contestants. I mean, I can't tell you how many contestants that I have spoken to just to try and get on my podcast that are like, yeah, I want to, but I'm not allowed to. And, you know, they're told not to come yeah. on my podcast and it's because they want to be on a future season. That's why the guests that I have are from three or four years ago who are done with this franchise, you know, because I can't yes. get the recent ones anymore. They're not going to they're not allowed to come on my podcast. And that's exactly why I will never reveal any players that I'm coaching. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, 
I want I wanted to talk about the Clayton situation from from last weekend or two weekends ago. Um, you know, he was he was in the news recently with this story of cheating that was debunked within 24 hours because, well, he wasn't even on the same side of the country as this Sasha girl who claimed she had sex with him on a Friday night in New York when when Clayton was in Arizona. So, Lizzie, let me ask you about this. I I know it's a thing. Because this is not the first non-Bachelor Nation person to hook up with a Bachelor Nation person and run to social media to tell people about it or, you know, send something to Ducks Moy to post on a blind item about it. And it certainly is not going to be the last. But I I just don't understand why somebody would share this. Is this me sounding like, you know, the old man screaming to get off my lawn? Because obviously I'm not against casual sex. I know what happens. I know what happens a lot. Hell, that night in New York City, I'm guessing Sasha was not the only person who met a guy out that night for the first time and went back to his place to have sex. Like, this happens in the hookup culture that we're in. Now, people can debate whether or not that's smart or responsible, whatever. The fact is, it happens. It's happening every weekend, everywhere. So, let's not pretend that it isn't. But it's this idea of then running to social media to tell people about it. I just, I don't get it. <laughs> uh you know, I think I haven't actually looked into all the details of this TikTok girl revealing all this stuff and Clayton revealing his look, putting his location services on yeah. to try to counteract it. I I did hear that she had done this with previous celebrities. I mean, she went viral. We are talking about her. It's kind of the debate about whether like all press is good press or not. And you know, there are benefits to going viral, even if it does get debunked. I think on Cameo as well. <laughs> <laughs> She's on Cameo? Is, is she? So. Oh, is, is Sasha oh on Cameo God. now? Oh, I didn't That's know that. incredible. Um, but, you know, Bachelor, I don't think she knew exactly what toe she was dipping into with Bachelor Nation. Like, yeah. that's not fandom. You're fucking with the people who are, <laughs> like, better than the FBI investigating people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Chad, what did you think of the whole story when you saw it? Like, first off, when you first heard the story, mm-hmm. did you think it was true? No. I okay. And here's how I first heard it. I opened up my uh, DMs that morning on my Bachelor Clues account, and it was just flooded with, oh, my God, look at this, look at this, look at this. Until immediately, I was like, this is probably not real. And so that's what I would DM back. I'm like, well, let's see if it's true. Let's see if it's true. Let's see if it's true. And then within a day, it wasn't. Because you see all this stuff, and and you know this, obviously, you've been doing this a long time, but like we've learned it over the course of the past couple of years as we've been doing this podcast, you get sent shit all the time about this player's doing this, or look at this, oh my God, it means this. And your first reaction to it, at least in, in our role as podcasters who try to disseminate some kind of credible news about this thing that we cover, The Bachelor, your first reaction to any of this shit always has to be skepticism. It's like, until this is proven, I can't run it as news. I can't talk about it, et cetera, et cetera. And so when I see things like this, my first reaction is always skepticism. And just beyond that, as like kind of a common sense uh, barometer, it seemed very off to me. And then, of course, it was it was proven false almost immediately. Yeah. No, it was it was interesting because when she DM'd me and told me because her friends, you know, told her she she needs to contact Reality Steve and that's what she mm-hmm. said in her initial TikTok. And she's like, I, I don't even, you know, who is this guy? And then and then she did contact me 
you know, I, I told her, you know, the third thing that I wrote to her, and I still have the initial conversation with her, was you should probably delete your TikTok because people are going to be all over you. And she just didn't, it didn't register with somebody who's 22 and has no idea about bachelor nation, which she didn't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then it turned into what it did and her doubling down and tripling down that, no, it was definitely him. It was definitely him. Clayton even went to show his locations on his phone, on his Instagram story that night. And she still said, he's lying. It was him. How do we know that's his phone? And, and, you know, for the skeptics out there, technically it could have been someone else's phone when Clayton did that. And technically Susie could have been covering for him when she said, I FaceTimed him last night for two hours. It wasn't until, Mm -hmm. you know, granted, most sane people believed Clayton and Susie over Sasha, but it wasn't still, it was still a, well, we we just don't know. There wasn't any, there, you know, could it be a different phone that Clayton was using? Probably not, but there was still some skepticism out there. But then the second the picture got released, um, or the picture that she was able to get uh, from mm-hmm. security at that building, clearly showed that the guy that she was with wasn't Clayton. And the funny thing was, when she sent it to me, she's like, "I got the picture of from the apartment complex." I'm like, "Send it," and, you know. And she sent it to me, and I'm like, "That's not Clayton, Sasha." And she's like, "Oh, it's not." And I'm like, "No." <laughs> so. <laughs> So at that point, at that point, everything that she had said and doubled down and tripled down and quadrupled down on for the last 24 hours just all came to an end. Like, I knew this was going to be an open and shut case. This wasn't something like where she accused somebody of of some behavior and it was a he said, she said. And even if, you know, most people took Clayton's side, there would have been a side that said, no, I, I think he really did do that to her or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. This was open and shut. If we could prove that Clayton wasn't in New York on Friday night because she, her whole story was this happened in New York city. Then we know that she was misinformed and that's what it ended up being. So I'm glad it ended up turning into that. I, you know, look, she was catfished. That's, that's seemingly the thing that she was, that she was catfished because she still claims to this day that the guy who she hooked up with that night and went back to his place, told her his name was Clayton told her he was recently on The Bachelor. He asked if she watched it. She said no. She didn't watch the show at all. So I don't know if that was a trigger in his mind to be like, oh, I can run with this. Like, And then it turns into, is he doing this to a bunch of women who don't know anything about The Bachelor? Right. Because his friends and his buddies tell him, hey, you kind of look like that Bachelor guy. I don't know. We don't know who this guy is. I'm glad it's over. I probably, sounds like a, <laughs> probably don't sounds even like a Netflix yeah. documentary series exactly. coming right up. The Bachelor Swindler. Yeah, The Bachelor Swindler. Yeah. But we, yeah, we don't know if he's doing this to numerous people or, or whatnot. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But, you know, I just think it, it's the whole thing is, is really, you know, like I said, I don't understand the whole point of, of sharing it, but she's not the first person. Like, just with social media in general, people just like to share Oh my God! I saw you know somebody out, and I took a picture of them, and and they shared it to social media. It's like, okay, great. Like, who cares? Like, I I just I don't understand the idea behind it, especially the hookup part. If you see somebody out, and you want to take a picture of them, while I think that's weird, it's less intrusive than I had sex with so and so from Bachelor Nation last night. Everybody, here's what happened. I think like what is the that girl who posted on her like on her tinder story or her snapchat just f edelman do you remember this that football player yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
that's my favorite one of this of this genre. <laughs> I think social media is all about the number next to your head, which is really a commodification of fame itself. And so if you can be near fame, have a brush with fame, you're of course going to try and use that to your benefit in the world that gives you a bigger number next to your head. Yeah, you know what? The interesting thing about this was this was a 24-hour story because once it was debunked, it wasn't anything lingering. It was like, no, what she said, absolutely not true. It wasn't even possible because they weren't even in the same state. So my question, I guess, for you, Lizzie, is what do you think something like this, what do you think the punishment for something like this should be? Because some people were... You know, Clayton said she should be held at when when he was still debating with her before the picture came out of the apartment of, and we found out it wasn't him in the picture. You know, Clayton saying she be she should be held accountable uh, for this, which I totally agree. But in this, I don't know what that means. What does holding her accountable once it was proven wrong? It's like, OK, in the long run, what was the end result of this? While it sucked, Clayton and Susie were inconvenienced for about 24 hours. They had to reply to a story that was never true. And that's it. So does this should this girl be banned from Twitter? Should she be banned from social media? Should like what is the penalty for something like this? I'm surprised Clayton even responded to it. Um, I think that there's been like a bunch of other accusations that he hasn't directly responded to. Like if I were her, I would just apologize. I don't think she should be banned from social media. Yeah, but some people think like she did this I mean, and she caused them heartache for crazy who knows like maybe we don't even know clayton and Susie's relationship maybe they're in an open relationship and it's fine i just think like the moralistic judgments of of this stuff are so so exaggerated and people feel this ownership over their relationship when it's like you don't you don't own their relationship they don't owe you anything they don't owe you an explanation they don't owe you like showing the location services like i don't think clayton should need to do that but it's like it's definitely something you need to consider when you're like i'm going to be the lead your life is going to be torn apart people will make false accusations people will just do so much stuff to you it's a really intense process i definitely don't think i could handle it (laughs) i i get i guess my thing with it was for something like this, I didn't have an issue with him showing his locations because that debunked the story. If this girl said, I hooked up with Clayton in Arizona last night, then it just becomes a he said, she said. He could show his locations all he wants, but we know that she was there and he could have met up with her somewhere, but it didn't happen. Like She said this all happened in New York. He's like, I'm in Arizona, period, end of story, game over, You know, mm-hmm. once it was proven. So I had no problem him debunking that and, and addressing it because, you know, like you said, once you sign up for this thing, it just your life is put under such a microscope and there are yeah. people that will come out of the woodwork to say whatever false accusations, say things about you. Wasn't there a guy earlier this season while Clayton season was airing who said that Clayton was banging his roommate and he walked in on it. Didn't that happen during the season? And it yes. turned out not to be true. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember yeah. that one. Do you I remember that one. It's it's truly like going into the American political system. I mean, I would say even more like we liken it to a professional sport because there are like statistical metrics that you can apply to different plays and the structure of the game and all this stuff. Yeah. But in terms of what kind of microscope you go under, if you make it really into like the top 10 of a season or obviously if you're a lead, like everything you do 
is going to be turned upside down. Your entire life, people are going to go back through your high school yearbooks, like all of that shit. Yeah. And it, in my mind, is very similar to like any senator or congressperson in the in the United States, like federal political system. They get the same level of scrutiny, I feel like. What were you going to say, Lizzie? Did you have something for me? You said my name. Oh, I was just wondering, like, you have people bringing you this type of stuff almost constantly. Like, what no. percentage does turn out to be true? Well, a lot depends on if I even follow through with it to determine is this true or not. Because it's just, mm-hmm. it's not, some of it's not worth my time. And obviously, since things yeah. since things went down a year ago, I've I've handled things... I've done a 180 on how I've handled things like this. Three years ago, I would have run with it in a heartbeat. I probably would have retweeted her TikTok to everybody right away. Like I just, and now I've just taken a a back seat to, all right, I got to get to the bottom of it before because I was doing all of this stuff like this. She came on. She said it happened on a Friday night. She messaged me on Saturday morning ish, like 10 or 11. And I never, and everyone was sending it to me, Steve, what is this? Is this true? Is this true? And I never sent out a tweet. I never sent out an Instagram post, nothing. I didn't address it because I was handling it behind the scenes. I wanted to see if it was true or not. And when she told me it was New York and Clayton was saying he was in Arizona, I'm like, okay, once it's getting proven, then I'll talk about it, which is, which is what I did. Other stuff when it's like, oh, you know, you know, trust me, there's guys on this season on, on Rachel and Gabby season that I've been approached to by by women that said he did this and he did that. And I'm just like, you know, look, I'm sorry he ghosted you <laughs> to go on this show, but that's what people do now. And unfortunately, yeah. it makes it might make him a dick, but he ain't the first and he ain't going to be the last. Sorry, you know, <laughs> and, and I just don't even report that unless, you know, let's just say this guy or one of these guys gets to the end then maybe once again behind the scenes i will relay information to where it needs to be relayed and they can make their own determination rather than putting the guy on blast and having america judge him and pull up all his you know past records and stuff like that uh, you know high school photos and and just crucify the guy because i realized yeah. after what happened last year i realized that yeah there is a there is a sense of where I stand on things, a lot of fans are going to get behind me and be like, if Reality Steve is crucifying him, then it must be true. And I realize I got to stay away from that. So um, to answer your question, how much of it ends up being true? Jeez. I mean, probably more than half, but it's oh, wow. all. But it's also how bad is the infraction? You know, it's like. Okay, so a yeah. guy ghosted you before he went on the show, and he told you he wanted to marry you, and two weeks later he's in the cast list for for the upcoming season. It's like, okay, it's probably not a great look for him, but is that news that I need to report three years ago? Yes, I would have reported it in a heartbeat. Now I'm just like, sorry he did that to you, but I don't know what to tell you. Plus it's almost like the the possible benefit of appearing in-game to me is like, I, I think we're getting to a point as an audience where we will accept something like that. Where if you're like literally going to get married the next day and they're like, no, we want you on The Bachelor and you drop that wedding. I think we're all getting to a point where we're kind of like, well, that's kind of bad. But I understand he is going to get to play in the big game. You know? Yeah. <laughs> what a, and, I, and I also think that it's like the other thing that I've that I've that I've done since last year is I've told these people, look, if you want to tell this story, then you're going to tell I'm not going to be the middleman anymore, which is what I would doing for years. I would just report it knowing it to be true, but yet 
these people wanted to stay out of it and wouldn't provide any proof because if they provided proof, then they would know, then the evidence would show who that person is. And they just wanted, they just wanted to use me as the mouthpiece. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And then I stopped doing it last year. And even in the last year, the amount of people that came to me and said, you know, will you say this about this person? And I said, look, if you want to tell the story, I'll have you on for an interview or whatever, but you're putting your name behind it. And then I, and then I would run down with them. Just know if you put your name behind this, and if you tell this story about so-and-so, What's going to happen to you, whether or not, even if you are hundred percent true and this is a hundred percent, you know, and you have evidence to back it up and screenshots of texts and DMS and you have video of some stuff, just know that a lot of bachelor nation people, if this is a contestant, that big, big discrepancy here, if it's a contestant that they like, no one will give a shit of what <laughs> about you say, nobody will care because they will defend that person till the end of time. And you will be looked at as the scorned ex out for clout, looking for followers, you're going to be dismissed. And so just know that going in, and then basically all of them go like, yeah, you know what, I, I don't think I want to say anything. I'm like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's amazing. I think there's a, a non-zero chance that someone like that, a scorned ex, could parlay a big social media impact, like coming out with a TikTok video or something, into being a player in the next season. I've It was... I think it's been possible. I know I know I know some of them have said to me in the past when they decided not to come forward. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll just apply to next season. Now, I don't know if they said that jokingly or yeah. or what, but they have said that to me, maybe basically as a way to get back at them because it always looks at it always comes across as the scorned ex thing if they do come on an interview with me or or reveal stuff to me like, "Yeah, Steve, you can reveal my name and who I am and whatnot." And then it's just like Okay, so why are you what's the point of you doing this is what I'm now asking these people. What do you want to get at not not the follower part of it, but what do you want to happen to this person? He's already off filming the show. Like what they're not going to stop the show and remove him because you said he ghosted you. You just it sounds mm-hmm. like you just want people to know that he's not a good guy. I don't know. I don't know what you want out of this. And then they kind of look at it and like, yeah, I guess there really is no point. Like he's already there. There's nothing I can do about it now, you know? Yeah, I mean, it must be a strange experience, though, and I can kind of see, you know, imagining yourself as the the scorned ex, yeah. and then all of a sudden, this person who treated you like shit, or at least in your perception, that's what happened, is now on a reality TV show, could potentially be a massive social media influencer. You don't want to see that for them. You don't want to see them succeed when they just treated you like shit, again, in your own perception. So I think they, you know, there's probably some just kind of human need for retribution, and if that's the only avenue available for it or, or as they perceive it, then they would have to take it, I guess. And that and that seems to be that it seems to be two ways to look at it, that they are coming to me or they're coming to somebody to out that person because they don't want like maybe they whether whether they're being honest about it or not, they don't they're looking out for Gabby and Rachel or whoever the lead is like, hey, if he did this to me. They need to be aware of it. It's like, okay, I can maybe see women looking out for women. I get it. But is the audience going to take it as that way? And I think the audience isn't going to take it as, oh, yeah, you're really looking out for Gabby and Rachel. You just want clout. And it's like, is it? are they looking out for Gabby and Rachel? Or are they looking out for their own, I want to take this guy down because he was a dick to me? That's where it's just, I don't right. know. It's It's hard to gauge, really. And I, yeah. you know, I can't put them in touch with Gabby and Rachel during filming. Like, hey. This girl came to me and uh, said that so and so is a real jerk. Like, all right, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, 
you know, and then it's just, and then it's just the 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 level of the infraction. Like, did he ghost you? Okay, that sucks. Did he physically, you know, abuse you in a relationship? Then we're talking about something different, you know? And and I've gotten the extremes on those. I have gotten the ones that were, oh, he treated me like this, he called me a name, you know, versus he was emotionally, you know, he was manipulative, he was emotionally abusive, then you get to the physically abusive part, and it's just like, okay, now you're weighing different things. So it's like you get stuff, I get sent stuff all the time, and just like it's a case-by-case basis is what it is. There's not a general oh, this is how I handle it. It's a case-by-case basis now, really. Yeah, then they got to contact the show, get flown out to Copenhagen or wherever, yeah. and just crash, crash the date. Yeah, <laughs> then there's that. When was the last... Someone did that. You, you, were, you guys would know this better than I would, just based off memory, because you guys covered it and watched every episode during the pandemic. Was the last... X flown out to the show was Beck was Becca Kuf, was um was Becca's when she she was in the final two yeah. with Ari was that the last one? I believe so. Although they did it with Cassie Randolph and her dad, it wasn't an X, but they flew him out to interrupt her fantasy suite with uh Colton. Yeah, literally in the middle of it, her dad comes into her hotel room. <laughs> What's that? You guys are forgetting about Chase Rice, the singer. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Season 24. How yeah. can we ever forget? Yeah. That? How can Jesus. we ever forget Chase Rice? Um, yeah. But the, yeah, but the Mario Jackson had, had an ex. I remember on like a basketball date. Yeah. Oh yeah. Was, so was Rachel. Okay. Um, just going over my, it was Rachel Lindsay season. season 13. Yeah. So was that before or after Beck? So that was after Ari. So yeah. So that happened post Becca's boyfriend, ex-boyfriend being flown to Portugal or whatever for Ari season. Right. Yeah. Rachel was after Ari. Yeah. It's no, Kufrin is after, is after uh, Lindsay because Lindsay was a player on season twenty-one of Bachelor. Yeah, but but Beck, but when Becca's ex was flown out, she was that was when she was on Ari's season. That wasn't her season of the Bachelorette. That was, remember? Yeah. Oh right, right, right. So <laughs> it's so confusing. Yeah. There's so many little things to keep. That's crazy that they flew Becca's. Yeah. Beck is in the final two with uh, with Lauren, and they fly Becca's ex out to Portugal. I think it was. And remember, he confronted her, and she's just like, "What are you doing?" You know, and then she had to explain to Ari, and that probably played a no, role in Ari picking after. her. That <laughs> happened after Rachel Lindsay, because it's Nick Vial season twenty-one, then Rachel Lindsay Bachelorette season thirteen, then Ari Lyondike. Okay, okay. Season so it was after. Okay, so it was after. Okay, yeah, yeah. good. Um, Sorry, I had to get that right in my fucking head. I literally wouldn't have been able to go on with my day if I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I knew. I knew you would know it. I knew you would know something right like that. Um, oh, Jesus Christ. All right. Uh, I'm trying to think when the first one was. It was someone's hometown date in Canada. They had a girl's ex at the bar. Do you remember this, It was, it was on Brad Womack's first season, I think. That was Womack. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I, I don't remember his first one. Oh, wait. No, it was Mesny? Seven. Season seven, Charlie O'Connell, the second oh, hometown. Fuck, that's right. I'm looking at my data now. Kimberly Choma's hometown date in Canada had her ex crash the bar. <laughs> I wouldn't have remembered that in a million years. I think that was the first time it happened. Hmm. That was the first skeleton, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, I want to move on to uh, uh, something else. Jesse Palmer. We have, obviously, Lord Harrison. Um, no, long, <laughs> no longer part of the show. He was a big thing for you guys. Now mm-hmm. we've got right. Jesse hosting, and Jesse just completed his first season of hosting the show with Clayton. 
they look like brothers uh, or relatives in some form. And he's now, obviously, we know he's hosting Gabby and Rachel season. Chad, your overall mm-hmm. take. If you had to grade Jesse Palmer on a scale of 0 to 10, what do you give him for his first season of Clayton season? 666. <laughs> <laughs> Started this season as a babe in the woods, and he was kind of like Clayton. I don't know what I'm doing here, dude. Let's just get through this together, and everything's going to be okay. And in the beginning, you're kind of like, is he going to have that dark edge that Chris Harrison had, that pleasure in watching people suffer? But by the end of the season, he had that in droves. There's a moment in the after the final rose when he's like, and then Clayton leaves the show alone. And then he looks right into the camera and raises his fucking eyebrows in a sinister manner and goes, or does he? And he's asking all these questions. Uh, you know, uh, I think it was Rachel Reckia or maybe it was Gabby Wendy told Clayton Eckert that this decision would haunt him. And then <laughs> Dark Lord Palmer goes, well, Clayton, are you haunted? <laughs> I mean, he took such glee in the suffering of these people that I was like, he's a full Dark Lord now. He ascended to that throne so quickly in one season. It took, In my opinion, it took Chris Harrison about four to five seasons to truly assume the mantle of darkness. Dark Lord Palmer did it in one season. Hats <laughs> off to him. Can't wait to see what he does next. <laughs> What'd you think, Lizzie? My favorite thing that he did was the first episode. He said, "He, I'm a happily married man, which is a quote that Chris Harrison used in the first episode of season one <laughs> to be like, I'm not the bachelor. I'm a happily married man. And I was, I don't know if a producer told him to do that or he watched the first episode, but whoever made that decision, I loved it. It was a beautiful homage. (laughs) Yeah, no, he was, I mean, I thought he was good. And, you know, look, I think a lot of people are like, why is Jesse the host? Nick Vile. Um, You know, you know, upset that he didn't get upset that he didn't get the gig. But you got to understand, like Jesse Palmer is a has been a host for years on television. He hosts baking shows. He hosts that stupid surfing reality show last summer. He hosted the proposal, which was put on by the same production team that does this show. He's a host of college game. You know, he's a host on ESPN's college football coverage. Like it's not like they plucked somebody out of obscurity. And then to boot, he was a former bachelor. Like I get the I get why he was chosen, and I have no problem with him as the yeah. host of the show going forward. None. Totally. I, I, I agree. Great job. You know, I'm going to miss seeing Caitlin Bristow, obviously, and Tasha, but, you know, I think you do need one person. I think two people is too confusing. And I think you just need a mouthpiece for the show. Like, you know, when, when people looked at the show, it was like for the, you know, all the years, 45 seasons, it was Chris Harrison's the host of the show or whatever it was until he had to leave up to Katie's season. Um, it was just like, hey, that's the, that's the, like some sort of comfortability with the with the franchise. Like this is the Bachelor guy, Chris Harrison. Basically, and until he got the you know who wants to be a millionaire gig, did nothing else other than host this show. And it's like, okay, this is our guy. This is that's the Bachelor guy. And I think they just needed to go back to a one host solo guy who's good looking guy. You can put him in the interviews and put him on GMA and talk about the show. And and you know I don't know if you watched it, but. It seemed like after every episode, Jesse Palmer was doing Instagram stories where he was talking about the episode. Chris Harrison never did that. Like, it almost seems like he's more engaged in one season than Chris Harrison was for 43 seasons. Totally. I love his 
his Instagram stories. He's he's posting all the time. He's influencing. <laughs> he's in the mix. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, final thing is I want I want to talk about is um, last week, um, you guys were sent a picture of Rachel on a date, uh, a one on one date in Belgium, and you guys have never been a, a spoiler page. And I noticed some of the comments under your post. They were like, oh, does this mean we'll be getting spoilers now? And and you assured them that it wouldn't be. But when you got the picture, did you debate whether to post it or not because of that reaction? Sorry, which post is it? The um, the post of um, Rachel on a one-on-one date in Belgium last week. Oh, I don't I don't feel like those was the person in it. I'm sorry. I yeah. was at Coachella. Weekend, I <laughs> you, you didn't even know that you guys did it <laughs> you had game of roses well, our, all over the picture like <laughs> you didn't yeah grace and parks is our social media person who helps us filter out all this shit and makes the decisions and we give her full autonomy to do so okay but i definitely saw the post and i was like i didn't think it was like really a spoiler it was just about somebody who was on a date we don't know what plays were made on that date who won that day any of that kind of stuff it was just kind of uh to me like an interesting glimpse into the season as they're shooting it. Okay. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing with me and stuff that, you know, that I get when it's, whether it's pictures or not, it's like there's, there's levels to spoilers. You can't say that knowing Mm -hmm. the ending is the same as, Hey, here's a picture from the first one-on-one of the season. It's like, okay, you know, it's a picture. Like when Fleiss posts pictures of, Hey, I've got exclusive photos from the bachelorette. It's like, okay, Here's Gabby and Rachel in front of the mansion. Here's Gabby and Rachel in front of the Eiffel Tower. Here's Gabby and Rachel mm-hmm. on a boat. Like, that's not a spoiler. We know what Gabby and Rachel look like. Like, what are you yeah. giving us? You're giving us nothing. <laughs> their night one dresses to be a spoiler. Yeah, I mean, that, technically. That attitude could yeah. <laughs> And technically, that would be. Like, to some people, knowing what the night one yeah. dresses are before July 11th, when the first episode airs, I guess, is technically yeah. considered a spoiler in somebody's eyes. But... Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. you posted the picture, and, you know, I don't know if you know this, but that's the first picture that has gotten out anywhere of this season. Um, I haven't received any from any that were in L.A. They didn't have any dates no. that got out in L.A. I know a couple of mm-hmm. locations of dates, but I never heard who was on it or pictures that got out. Um, that was the first one. And then the very next day, yeah. then the very next day, someone posted a group date picture of on Twitter of five guys and they didn't even they were somebody that was living I think they live in Belgium and they were just like can mm-hmm. someone please tell me what American movie is being filmed here I want to know what this is and and um yeah. and it was found and the five guys in it were able to be identified but again it's just is it a spoiler yeah but it's very minor cuz it's just like okay well you can just fill in yeah. when you're doing your brackets okay well in Belgium Rachel got a one-on-one date with um uh what's his name uh Blanking. Oh, a, um, not Avon. Yeah, Avon. Um, Rachel got a one on date with yeah. Avon. Okay, great. We don't. We know nothing else about. Not really a spoiler. Yeah, we think Grace <laughs> Ann is doing a fantastic job. I didn't even know that that was the first picture to be posted from the season. That's yeah. amazing that she was able to get that. Yeah, no, but, it was uh, the first one. To me, spoilers are like it's bigger stuff. If somebody's going to get accused of something and eliminated from the show, or once you get to the playoffs, really, like who made it to hometowns or fantasy suites or whatever. Those are kind of like the the spoilers that I try to avoid. I mean, it's kind yeah, of a- it's also stuff that will probably be in the promos. You know, they'll be like this season, and they'll show people on dates. It's yeah, like, mm-hmm. and those are technically spoilers. Now, 
before that promo comes out, it's like, have I already released the episode by episode spoilers? Like before Clayton season, they were the episode by episode spoilers were already out. So once those, the promo was released for the season, it was very, very easy to be like, Oh, okay. This is Clayton on his date with so-and-so because Steve put it out there that, Oh, Susie had the pretty woman date. Okay. Well, here it is. Susie in a red dress. You know, it's just like, I, I, I mean, I don't get some of the fans sometimes, but I mean, it's kind of impossible to stay away from spoilers once you're in it as much as as you guys are and we are, since people are sending yeah. and telling you stuff a lot. When it came to Clayton's season, what were you guys hearing, if anything? Like, did you know? No. Uh, <laughs> no comment. Oh yeah, that's I right. Mean, that's right. You were coaching half once, the half the girls. Once you're coaching <laughs> players. It's like you you definitely know some things, you know. But the interesting stuff that I found in coaching is like not necessarily getting to know outcomes of whatever before the before they're aired but getting to know what actually happens so my understanding now of how like an episode is constructed uh, versus what actually happens on the, the dates or the days of shooting or whatever like my eyes are just open in a way that they've never been before in terms of rose orders how group dates are selected like who's going to go on them how even group date roses are selected. That's not usually the lead making that choice. Sometimes it is, but not always. Yeah. And so that kind of stuff I think is like invaluable, at least in, in future coaching, because I can now craft a better, what we call a third audience game, which is how a player interacts with the producers. Wow. You guys are, you guys are really immersed in this show now. And I bet you two years ago when the (laughs) pandemic started, you had no idea that, you would be this deep into it, into you, into the pit, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, you know what though? Like, sorry, Lizzie, go ahead. I'm saying absolutely not. I had no idea the Bachelor would take over my life in this way, but it's been a one mostly wonderful experience. <laughs> yeah, but I will say, when we first started, I remember you and me being high on my couch and just kind of like daydreaming about you know, watching The Bachelor and daydreaming about, like, what if we could get somebody in the game? What if we could, like, have somebody planted in there? And that really was, like, the first thing, at least for me, that kicked off all this shit. That's like, well, let's write a book. Let's, like, really figure out the strategy of the game. Oh, and let's do a podcast while we write the book to kind of talk the ideas out and all this kind of stuff. And then all of these things have become what they've become. But the kernel of that original idea of, like, I want to infiltrate this game that's still there, and now I'm doing it. Like it's uh, it's great. <laughs> and, I love it. And we've gotten to talk to some like our episode that's going to release. Oh, I guess it's today. Actually, is a person who we have been wanting to talk to Courtney Robertson for forever. Like that was a dream of ours, and now we got to talk to her, and it was an amazing interview. And uh, yeah, it's been surreal. <laughs> Yeah, no, that was the that was the episode that was released um today. We're recording this on Tuesday and yeah, yeah Courtney's been great. She's been a podcast guest I think three or four times on mine and she's always been yeah. every time she comes on I get people like I cannot believe that you know, we said some of the things we did about her at the yes. time and whatnot. She's uh she's that last she's interview great. you did with her um where she was talking about reshooting the, the skiing date where they flew Ben back to reshoot a whole group date after the season was over, that shit was mind blowing. Yeah. No, I and I and then 
I had heard that over the years, but I was like, I, for some reason, I always thought they reshot the actual skiing part. And I'm like, no, that would have mm-hmm. pictures would have gotten out. And she's like, no, 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 we just had to go back there and shoot ITMs. And yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, but yeah, no, that was like literally after the season was over, after he had already chosen Courtney, they had to go back, and and it was not just her; it was numerous girls that had to go back to San Francisco yeah. and shoot that. It was just bizarre. Like, why not do that in a room? And pretend. Yeah. And That's just, literally acting. I mean, they're acting at that point. Yeah. Of course. Like, <laughs> there's no other way to put, there's no other way to describe it. It's straight up acting because you already know the outcome. So you have to pretend that you don't know the outcome. And the things that you're saying in San Francisco, which was episode three that season, mm. and that's so early on, and yet you know everything that's happened since then. You know all the eliminations, you know what women said about you, you know who got to the final two, you know who got to the final four, you know who won, and yet you got to sit there and act like you don't. So, yeah, straight up acting. Crazy. I mean, this show, I mean, it, it, there's so many behind-the-scenes stuff that I wish, like we talked about earlier, maybe somebody will do it one day and just come out and just absolutely take a blowtorch to this franchise and say this is what really goes on on this show. I mean, I think... You know who the number one person that could do that is, right? Chris Harrison. Chris Harrison. But he's, you mm. know, he got paid nine figures to, or eight figures to to not do it. And I think that's why maybe he was paid eight figures to not do it. He, he could maybe do a book like, do you remember when OJ was going to come oh, out yeah. with that book? I didn't <laughs> if I murder, did, but if I would have done a murder, this is how I would have done that murder or whatever the fuck it was going to be called. And then yeah. the producer scuttled it, or the publishers scuttled it, sorry. I think Chris Harrison might be able to do something like that. Look, uh, I'm not going to tell all my dirty, dark secrets about The Bachelor, but if I did, but if I did, here's what they'd be. Here's what they were. Here's what they'd be. Yeah. I mean, is it, I mean, final thing here. Is it weird to you at all that the literal face of this franchise for 18, 19 years and 43 seasons? The only thing that that guy has ever acknowledged about his time on the show since he's been let go is a three sentence Instagram post. Like I'm I, I know he can't say anything and I know he's not doing any interviews, but it's just so weird how he has literally fallen off the face of the earth. Not I mean, we, we see him got engaged to Lauren and they post a lot together and go to events together and stuff like that. But in terms of this franchise, I think it's just so weird that nobody has ever He's never said a word about his time on the show. The show doesn't even yeah. acknowledge him anymore. It's just bizarre. Oh, I think it's beautiful. This is literally like if Darth Vader were kicked out of the Empire. You better believe Darth Vader is lying in wait, building his plans for revenge. And that is what Dark Lord Harrison is doing. Make no mistake. He's going to come out with another reality dating show, potentially on one of the major networks. Not ABC, probably, but Jesus, wouldn't that be poetic and strange? I bet it will be on NBC. For some reason, that feels right to me. Or maybe, maybe Fox. That doesn't quite feel right to me, though, because they're doing their own reality shit with Joe Millionaire reboot attempts and the Dirty Dancing show. But anyway, he's going to come back hosting a new reality dating format to try and crush The Bachelor. That is in the works. Mark my words. I have no actual proof of this, but I think <laughs> it's going to be happening very soon. And that that's why I think he's he's lying in wait, why he's saying nothing. He's just going to let revenge be his statement on it. It's, it's definitely not how we anticipated 
Chris Harrison going out, we had wondered, like, will he retire? Will he whatever? And couldn't have, couldn't have guessed the series of events. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean, nobody would have ever guessed that in a million years. And then now it yeah. just – look, I know he can't say anything, but it is just so weird that this happened over a year ago and this guy has never said a word about the franchise other than – I don't think he said anything, really. He doesn't talk. You know, it's not like he comments on the show. He doesn't tweet about the show. He doesn't say, like, good luck to, you know, Clayton, um, Caitlin and Tasha as they take. Um. It, it's just nothing. You know, he's gone on with his life. He moved to Austin with Lauren, and they do their thing. They go to events. You know, he posts about his son playing lacrosse and Lauren not knowing a thing about sports and whatever. Like, it's just there's, <laughs> he, there's just nothing to him anymore. And – He's been out of the limelight for over a year, and I'm curious to see what his next career move is because, you know, not necessarily nothing dating show. He hasn't done anything work-wise in well, since last I don't year. Think he, I don't think he probably can per the contract that he signed. That settlement that he made money on, which I, it was first reported like $50 million, and then it got notched down to I think nine was like the final reporting on it. But – for him to stay quiet, I assume in that settlement, he's also probably got a non-compete clause that says you can't host another show for two years or whatever. But I bet he's developing one right now with a production company, I'm sure a big one, and I bet that show's going to be ready to air the day that contract expires. Here's how he should spill the dirt. It should be his next romance novel. It's set in a bachelor setting, <laughs> and then he, and then it's there's a little about the romance, but then the rest of it is just about production and what happens. Changeling. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that would be incredible. Yeah. Please. Dark Lord, give us this dark gift. I forgot about the romance novel. Forgot about it. he was an author. <laughs> um, you forget. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I just we'll think it, reading it. I think, you know, you talk about the NDA. I'm just wondering I could see them saying you're not allowed to go host another reality dating show, but just the fact that he's been off TV just seems, why would they prevent him from doing something? Like he hasn't even done an interview, but I guess anybody that wants to interview him would want to talk about his time on the bachelor. Like you're not bringing Chris Harrison on to good morning America or to co-host with Kelly, uh, you know, right. You know, to fill in for Ryan on Ryan and Kelly uh, or Kelly and Ryan, however the name of that show is, you're not bringing him on to not talk about what happened. And I guess that's maybe what it is. Maybe that's why he hasn't done any interviews. Just like, yeah. I mean, that's part of the strategy too, I think is they are going to let, I mean, he probably wants this too, to distance himself from the bachelor a little bit so that when they roll out his new show in a year or two, he will have to make those rounds. He will have to go do all the interviews and they're definitely going to ask him about the bachelor, but enough time will have passed. There's enough bachelor seasons in between that we're focused on other things now and you'll be able to say something like, yes, you know, I my time on The Bachelor was great. It taught me a lot, but I'm really ready to move on to this next project that I'm so excited about. It airs next Tuesday on Fox or CBS or NBC or whatever. And I mm. think he'll be able to skirt that issue because enough time will have passed where it's not the thing we're talking. Even now, I mean, we're barely talking about it in, in this conversation. Most of this conversation was taken up by how horribly the producers treated Clayton Eckert. We're already on to something else. Yeah. No, that's true. I mean, there's, I, I didn't, I wasn't even planning on talking about Chris Harrison until we got to the end here and something triggered it in my head. They're like, oh, let's talk about Chris. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, you guys, uh, it's always great having you on. Um, 
Yeah, your podcast, Game of Roses yeah. podcast, it, you can listen to it on all platforms you listen to your podcast. Courtney Robertson is the guest this week. She's great. Obviously, I haven't heard it yet, but I've had her on enough times where I know that she's always been a great interview. Fans are really going to like that. And also, you can order their book, which is called How to Win the Bachelor, The Secret to Finding Love and Fame on America's Favorite Reality Show. Uh, get it on all places that you can order books. It's out there. I've got a copy of it. I started it, but I never finished it. I'll get to it at some point. <laughs> I, I will. I promise. Um, but Chad, Lizzie, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. You got it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks again to Chad and Lizzie. Love having them on. A very good discussion. We could have gone on for hours. I hope you guys go out and get their book. Either buy it at the store, order it online. Like I said, I haven't. I haven't finished it, but I feel like I know a lot of obviously what they covered. But uh, some really good stuff in there. I really like their take on things. I think it's interesting that they now coach players, yet um, they will never reveal who it is, which I didn't think they would. And I would be surprised if a player actually admitted to it because I think they would get a lot of heat for that. Um, but you never know. Maybe it'll slip on somebody's podcast. But, I mean, I've heard over the you know over the time that people have you know emailed me, the people that listen to the Game of Roses podcast, that you think you know who it is or you have an idea – uh, who it could be based on how they acted on the show. So, I mean, you know, they're never going to admit it, and the player will, so I guess it's just guessing at this point. But uh, I really appreciate them coming on. They will definitely be on again in the future. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple podcast. Much appreciated. Like I said, the second I find stuff out, more stuff out about this season, I will let you know. But until then, for Chad and Lizzie, I'm Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in, and we will talk to you next week. See you.